0: Vicki, from Atlanta. Good evening, everyone. My name is Vicky. I'm an alcoholic. I just live around the corner, but he thought it would be a little more dramatic if he said I was from Atlanta. <laughs> I love being sober. My sobriety date is January 23rd, 1986. I was 10 when I got sober. <laughs> well, I, that's, I, that's a lie. I haven't stopped lying yet. I'm working on it. But uh, Alcoholics Anonymous has saved my life, and I just love, love, love being sober. I uh, There's a lot of newcomers here. I want to welcome you. Welcome you to um, life beyond your wildest dreams, and I hope you don't leave before the miracle happens. I I know everybody's gonna think I'm from Boston because I have that accent, but I'm not. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Well, I'm from North Carolina originally, but I moved here from Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm a so what my what my, my dad used to say, American by birth and Southern by the grace of God. <laughs> Matter of fact, he had a bumper sticker that said that on his little Toyota truck. Uh, (laughs) But I got sober in Atlanta, Georgia, and um, I was a daily drinker, okay? And then if anything catastrophic happened, if the neighbors lost their cat or if the weather girl, it was her birthday, or if I broke a nail, you know, anything major, I would just binge drink. And, uh, oh my God, and I worked every day. Somebody had, uh, I read somewhere that if you ever miss work because of your drinking, you might have a problem, you know? And I went to work every day. I was, uh, I, some days I probably should have been in a hospital, but I went to work. I'm sure all those people were so glad I showed up. <laughs> I, think, I thought just driving down the road, pulling over and vomiting on the side of the road was kind of standard procedure, you know? Happened so many times. But um, I'd been on this binge drinking, I don't know, for whatever reason. It wasn't a big deal. And uh, But I, I used to get drunk in my house. This is true. I used to get drunk in my house. And uh, somebody had said years ago, uh, maybe you should call AA. Well, I didn't even know what it was. But I'd get drunk in my house and I'd call AA. <laughs> Uh, and back then, in 1985, they didn't have anybody answering the phone at night. So I just leave a message, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the next morning, somebody called me back. You know, they'd have I leave my number. Somebody called me back, and I I said, how'd you get this number? <laughs> no, don't you ever call here again. Nobody has a problem, okay? That's what you hear. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've been on this binge drinking and I was really sick. And uh, they have a, it's called the 8111 Club and it's 8111 Roswell Road in Atlanta, Georgia. So I called the club, and a payphone in the back of the room, this woman answer And she could probably tell I was about three sheets in the wind. And she says, We have a meeting at noon. Come on down, you know. Uh, You know, we'd love to have you. We have a meeting at noon. What I heard in my convoluted brain was they were going to teach me to drink. damn, that's what I've been looking for. Woo! I said, I will be there. Noon, I'll make me a reservation. (laughs) She said, honey, you don't need a reservation. Just come on in. I said, oh, I want to make sure I've got a seat. She said, we'll have a seat for you. Don't worry. So I went to that meeting at noon. And uh, I had a seat. I didn't really understand the whole lot that was going. I was really, I, really, I told everybody I had the flu. They so said, we've had that flu. We know exactly what it did." Uh, it was just, you know, it was just a meeting about Alcox Anonymous. I didn't, nothing registered really. But somebody in the meeting told me, you should talk to Lucille. She's got 17 years. I had no idea what that meant. She's got 17 years. I'm walking out of the meeting towards my car and this woman calls me out. She follows me out there. Her name's Lucille. And uh, she's talking to me and she was just standing there loving me with her eyes. I could just feel the love coming from this woman. And uh, I said, you know, this is all well and good, but this just, you know, it's really not for me. I, uh, I don't drink out of a brown paper bag, okay? I drink 12-year-old scotch, and it's not anybody's business how much I drink of that, okay? Uh, that's my brand-new car right there. I have a house right over on the hill. Uh, I have a business. My husband and I have our own business. Um, I mean, I had my head so far in my ass. Yeah, I couldn't even see anything. And she's just standing there looking at me, just loving me. And she said, honey, I didn't want to be an alcoholic either. But then I realized I was just a drunk. Well, that hit me right between the eyes because I was just a drunk. And I started crying. Standing there in that parking lot, I started crying. Tears just rolling down my face. And I said, I don't know how not to drink. I don't know how not to do that. I drink. I use drugs every day. I don't know how not to do that. And she's standing there looking at me with all this love in her eyes. She's just loving me. And she said, you go home and you get down on your knees and you ask God to keep you sober today. And when you've lived this day sober, you get back down on your knees and you say, thank you. Well, it's been 38 years, one week and six days. And I do that every day. I'm afraid not to, because it works. Now, let me tell you something. I went to that club and they said, oh, come back at five, we have another meeting. Well, I went home and just walking around my house, you know, if you're not drinking, you have all this time on your hands. And I'm walking around my house, took a shower, You know, looking at the clock, five o'clock. And I went back at five o'clock and they said, we have another meeting at eight, come back at eight. I went back at eight. So we have another meeting in the morning at 9 o'clock. Come back at 9 o'clock. That's all I did was just went to meeting after meeting after meeting. And the 8 o'clock meeting that night, they gave out chips. And I'm sitting in the back of the room, okay? So the lady us handing out the chips, and she says, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you want to take a surrender chip, that's what that first chip is. was to me. It was a surrender chip. It wasn't a 29 day or less. Come up and get a hug. Bullshit chip. <laughs> it was a surrender chip. You're sick and tired. You want to change your life. And you make a commitment to do that. So I'm sitting in the back of the room and I raised my finger. I said, oh, I think I'll take one of those. <laughs> she said, you gotta walk up here and get it. Oh my God, you know. I mean, I could take off my clothes in a restaurant, but heaven forbid somebody see me in an AA meeting. You know, I would just be mortified. But I walked up there and I got that chip. And she put her arms around me and she said, You don't ever have to be alone again. And you don't ever have to drink again. And I thought, Oh my God, how does she know how alone I am? How does she know? It looks so good from the outside the house and the business and the car and the kids. Uh, You know, I was a soccer team mom, and, you know, it just looked, it had that, and I was so alone and so sad. Alcohol took my soul away. It literally took my soul away. But I went to those meetings, and you know what's so wonderful? I went to that club a year and a half, and I got, it was Friday, the first meeting I ever went to. And Super Bowl was on Sunday. And it's like, oh, my God, how our future trip. How can I not, you know, how can I not watch the Super Bowl and drink? What about next New Year's? <laughs> this was in January. What about next New Year's? What am, how am I going to celebrate New Year's without drinking? And they told me, we just do this deal one day at a time. We just do it one day at a time. Don't have to think about the next wedding. Most people didn't invite me to weddings anymore because I always ended up in the pool with the guy that parked the cars. (laughs) (laughs) So we just, you know, that was just such a wonderful blessing for me, one day at a time, just today. That's all we gotta worry about. And the decision, and it is a decision that we make every single day, or I do, I make it every morning. And it's my choice. Um, I went to that club for a year and a half before we moved to California. My husband was transferred out here and I never saw Lucille again. I never ran into her. She's never in a meeting. I don't know where she came from. I don't know where she went. But today I have an angel statue in my garden and her name is Lucille. And I love her because she saved my life. She told me to ask God to keep me sober today, just today. I never will forget I had three aunties that just absolutely adored me. They probably pushed me a thousand miles on a tricycle and they babysat me and they love country music. So one year was my birthday and I flew back to the mountains and I rented a motor home and I got all my aunties in the motor home and we're going to uh, the Country Music Hall of Fame in Nashville, we're riding down the freeway in that motor home. And we're singing and laughing and talking. And we have to pull over. Uh, They take off their oxygen. They get out and they smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Then they put back on the oxygen and we go down the motor. We go down the freeway. It was so much fun. But uh, it was my birthday. My dad was with us. And uh, we're in Printer's Alley. I don't know if anybody's ever been to National Printer's Alley. It's great music there. And we're celebrating my birthday. And so no, no, nobody in the group's an alcoholic. My dad probably is, but he'd never admit it. But uh, they bring this margarita, this like margarita over and set it in front of me. And they said, oh, compliments of the house for the birthday girl. Well, I had an aunt that dived on that thing like it was a hand grenade. No, no, she can't have it, no. I wasn't going to drink the margarita, but she was just so worried that, you know, it was going to jump in my body some way. I remember telling my sponsor uh, when I lived in Atlanta that we had, on one side of our house, we had this big bar and we opened these louver doors and, you know, all the half gallons were underneath and we had the water for glasses and the wine racks and my husband at the time was a, he says, a wine connoisseur. He turned out just to be a drunk too. <laughs> And I told my sponsor, I said, you know, I'm afraid to even go on that side of the house because all the alcohol, everything was there when I came in the program. And she said, nothing is going to jump off out of that bar and jump into your body. You have to make a decision to put it there. And, you know, that was very empowering for me. I just really love that. It's my choice. It's always my decision. You know, I never did like anybody trying to recruit me to sell Amway or you know, go to their church or anything like that. I wanted to make my own choices. And that's what I love about Alcoholics Anonymous. I have a decision every day that I want to stay sober. And that's that third step. I ask God to keep me sober today because I don't want to use. I don't want to drink. I don't want to use drugs. And by the grace of God, I haven't had to do that in a few 24 hours. But I remember that we were in Nashville and my, my aunt jumped on that. Margarita, and she was trying to protect me from it. And it kind of pissed me off a little bit because it's my decision. I didn't want anybody to take that away from me. And I just love the freedom that we have here. It's the most important decision I ever make in my life. And every day I ask God to keep me sober today. I never will forget I was uh, what, maybe 11 years sober. And I had to have some eye surgery in Beverly Hills. So I had the, uh, the limo driver pick me up about four o'clock in the morning, takes me to Beverly Hills. And um, does I get there and the do- I'm 11 years sober, no drugs, no out nothing. And the doctor gives me a five milligram of value for this eye surgery. And I swear to, you, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. <laughs> Absolutely, I fell in love with that five milligrams of value. And so he does the eye surgery on. I told him, I said, you know, I think I had to stay home for 10 days. I couldn't go to the office, couldn't put anything, no creams, makeup, nothing on. And I had to be home for 10 days after this eye surgery. So I told him, I said, I think I might need a prescription of that Valium to, you know, recuperate. And he said, do you take that? Oh no, no, I don't take anything, but I think I might need it for this recuperation. (laughs) So he wrote me a prescription. And I had the limo driver fill the prescription in Beverly Hills. Heaven forbid somebody sees me in Orange County getting a Valium prescription. Okay? I go to meetings here. So I hid the Valium in my briefcase in a secret compartment. I didn't tell anybody I had it. Ten days, I'm on the couch eating and dolls, watching Oprah. You know, not a lot of stress going on there. (laughs) I didn't didn't take a Valium. I didn't take another one. I just had them hit, just, you know, just to take the edge off if I needed it sometime. You know, I mean, have got this business. I'm, you know, a professional woman. I've got a lot of stress. I'm married to an asshole. i got a lot of stress. <laughs> <laughs> so the first, every day I get down on my knees, one, two, three, and ask God to keep, I can't do it. You can, please keep me sober today, just today. And uh, first day I went back to work. I go into uh, we had a me- I had a meeting at the Marriott in Irvine. I go in with my little briefcase and you know my little suit and I'm all dressed up. First day back at work after the size surgery. Set my briefcase down. I go through my whole meeting. Get ready to leave. Somebody has stolen my briefcase. I went. Oh, they got my values. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I thought about. I had about $300 in that briefcase and documents that would take, you know, maybe three months to replace. But that's the first thought that went through my mind. But God, see, God's doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. That's what it was. And when I ask, it always happens. It always happens. I have had the opportunity, literally, have a life beyond my wildest dreams been able to travel all over the world and one of the things for some of the newcomers literally AA meetings all over the world are fabulous you go into a meeting wherever you are you immediately have friends you immediately have people that understand you you immediately, it's just a connection an absolute wonderful deal we've got here, I don't know how people live without Alcoholics Anonymous in the steps, I don't know how they do it because it's such a wonderful, wonderful life. I remember I was in the, uh, I went, I met this guy, okay? Um, and we were going down to the islands to um, Georgetown to play golf. And, and it was just going to be a nice long weekend and, you know, fun. And, um, and I didn't realize how much he drank, literally. And so we're down there one day. And he's uh, drunk, he's drinking, he's on the golf course, he's drinking. And you know, at this point in my life, I just I just don't tolerate that. I literally don't wanna be around it. It's not fun for me, he's not handsome. You know, I mean, so I pack my bag, we're at this resort, I pack my suitcase and I call a cab and I leave and I'm going down into Georgetown to get another hotel room, okay? Well, I didn't realize there's this big convention in town. You know, I don't know. There was no rooms, literally, bottom line. So I took my my luggage and I went to an AA meeting. And I set my luggage down right at the door in the AA meeting. And I go to the meeting and I just tell the story. You know, I'm here. I'm from California. I came on a long weekend, a golf weekend. And and I've been sober a while. And uh, the guy I'm with started drinking. And I packed my bags and left and I can't get a room. I was going to stay sleep at the AA meeting. I didn't care. I wasn't going back to that guy. That's for sure. And, uh, one of the members of AA was a maitre d at one of the big hotels. And he said, Oh, don't worry. I can get you a room. And he did beautiful room, beautiful suite. Asked me to come that night. The next night was a Saturday night and, uh, and and speak. They have people that come from the islands on Saturday night to the AA in in uh, Georgetown, and it was a huge meeting. And I got to speak and, and meet lots of people. And then a whole group of us went out to uh, to dinner. It's just, it was just great. And I had a and I, and I got a motel room. The guy had some connections with the hotel. He's a maitre D and. Uh, I had a lovely room and stayed there for the next couple of three days. I don't know what happened to the guy. He may still be there. i, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard from him again, and I wasn't interested. But uh, just the love and the friendship and the understanding. Been to meetings in Mexico and uh, Italy and uh, London, all over the world. Uh, and it was it's the same message. Even though I don't speak Spanish, the language, I always knew what they were talking. You know, it's the energy it's the the energy of love and recovery and the language of the heart and never will forget I was in Sydney Australia and I was on this tour with this group of business people there was about 200 of us and um, there's a church in downtown Sydney big church an old church and they have uh, AA meetings there at noon every day and a lot of people come from the offices and they bring their lunch and they have their lunch and they 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 uh, have a, a meeting well I'm trying to sneak off from this whole group of people that I'm with and make sure nobody sees me going into an AA meeting and um, looking around and going and and I get in there and they asked me to leave the meeting that day. of course I did they loved my accent they thought they wanted to know if I lived at Tara gone with the wind had just gone through there on TNT and so they were all familiar with Tara and the south and Thought I lived on a plantation. And I said, no, that, that's not the way it works. <laughs> but they love my accent. I love their accent. Those people, were, they just love Americans. A lot of people in our group, they ask them to go home with them and cook out and, you know, just really, really nice people. But I am so blessed to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous because I get to go anywhere I go in the world. I can go to a meeting and I immediately have friends. And if I need something, those friends are there for me. So we are truly a, a blessed lot. That's for sure. Blessed. I'm blessed beyond my wildest dreams today. And I noticed there's a lot of new people here in this room. And it's just wonderful that you're coming in and you have, you know, that you have this opportunity today. I heard a speaker at the uh, Harbor last month talking about, um, he was a great speaker i can't remember his name tim probably knows but he was talking about he had been to like 20 different treatment centers and he when he came into alcoholics anonymous he was talking about that was like his badger you know honor oh i've been to 20 different treatment centers said so one of the guys told him well that just means you spent um uh, five hundred thousand dollars for a big book <laughs> because that you know it's, it's all about coming together with this program and uh and working the steps. Every quarter, we do a four-step workshop at the Canyon Club, and I've been doing it for over twenty years. It's the first Saturday of every quarter. So um, if you haven't done your four-step, we do it in four hours. We do the four-step in four hours, and it's a great workshop, and it's open to everybody in the twelve-step community. So you're all welcome. You can you can put it on your you know in your uh, schedule. I didn't work my four step for like eleven months because I kept telling my sponsor I just don't really have anything to wear to to, to my four step. So I'll just I'll wait on that a little bit. So you can come with anything you want to wear. You can come in your pajamas, whatever you want, and we'll uh, we'll take you through the four step there at the workshop. So you're all welcome. First Saturday in April. So um, I hope to see some of you there. But Alcoholics Anonymous saved my life, literally. And it's given me a life beyond my wildest dreams. I love, 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 love being sober. And um, I will have meetings. I have a meeting at my home every night, every Thursday, once a week. And uh, I go to meetings in Dana Point, Laguna Niguel. I go to the Canyon Club sometimes. But the beautiful thing about Orange County is all the meetings we have. And let me tell you something. If you like everybody in AA, you're not going to enough meetings. You need to go to some more meetings, that's for sure. Um, I was in New York and right off Times Square, they have an AA house about a block, block and a half down one of the side streets. And you walk up these steps and they have like the old, um, no, nobody here probably remembers the old Canyon Club. They had a big bar there where you serve coffee and everybody smoked in there. So it really felt like home the first time I went there, You know, going into a bar with cigarette smoke but they just serve coffee. But this, this is kind of a similar thing. They have a bar, you can get coffee, and then they have a side room where they have meetings. And um, they have, I was looking at the schedule. They have meetings at like two o'clock in the morning, midnight, people coming out of the uh, theater that work at the theater, they coming out, they wanna to go to a meeting. They have uh, midnight meetings, You know, 10.30 at night, midnight, 2 a.m. meetings. So I'm looking at the schedule and I said to somebody's dinner, I said, wow, you you have all these meetings. You have more meetings here than we have in Orange County, California. He's so cute. He said, lady, we're real alcoholics up here in New York. Okay, Remember that. We need a lot of meetings. That's for sure. But it's just so fun traveling and going to different meetings and being a part of the fellowship all over the world. Because it's the same language, no matter what language they're speaking. I never will forget I was in uh, Philadelphia with my ex-husband. I've been married lots of times, so I'll talk about exes. Uh, and it was a snowstorm. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't We couldn't get a room. The, everything was grounded. There was a huge storm coming in. Uh, we couldn't rent a car. We couldn't get out. We couldn't get a hotel room. So he's in this bar in the airport drinking and he's, you know, about half looped. And, um, and we had this huge argument, just, oh, I think I threw something at him across the bar, but anyway, I left the bar and I'm walking through the airport and I'm going to go, okay, I'm just done. I'm just going to find a drink. I just need a drink. And, um, every day I'm still asking God to keep me sober. I wasn't going to drink where he's drinking. Okay, let me tell you that. I'm going to find me a new place to drink. So I'm walking through the airport, and one of these little newsstands um, I pass, and there's a People magazine right there in the rack, and Drew Barrymore is on the cover. Is that my time? Am I up? (laughs) No? No? Oh, an Amber um, anything I should know about standing up? <laughs> anyway, Drew Barrymore's on the cover, and I'm just kind of so mad, and I'm just in a frenzy, and I'm just, I'm just standing there, kind of staring at this rack of magazines, and this lady behind the counter that takes people's money and gives them change, and probably restocks the refrigerator with water and drinks, saw me standing there looking at this magazine. And she said from behind the counter, she said, poor Drew, she's had such a hard time getting sober. And I go, sober? She said, oh, yeah, sober. She said, I'm a friend of Bill Douglas. (laughs) Right there in the airport. I said, you know, boo, Bill. Desha- oh, yeah, I know Bill W. So I told her what had happened. And I was just had this fight with my husband. And I was, you know, I'd been sober for a few years and I was looking for a drink. She pulled a milk carton out from it under the cashier, a milk crate, and turned it over. And I sat down on that milk crate behind the cashier. And she pulled a big book out of her purse. And she and I had a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous right there. And I didn't have to drink that day. And that's God doing for me what, what I can't do for myself. That's God working in my life. And I see it every day. It's just, it's just wonderful to be aware of that. You know, I can't serve God if I'm drunk in bed with a bottle of scotch. I, you know, I, I'm not honoring the life that he wants me to live. And I believe that. Um. I, I just feel so blessed and so lucky to be a part of this fellowship and, and be sober today. I, um, oh my God, I was going to tell you something so good and I just forgot it. <laughs> um, anyway, I didn't have to take a drink that day. Oh, I don't know what I was going to tell you. I had a birthday a week or so ago, a few days ago, AA birthday. And um, all during COVID, I had uh I don't know how anybody got sober during COVID. Zoom meetings—I I hate these Zoom meetings. I have to have the fellowship. I have to have the energy. I have to see you. I have to—I have to feel your energy because I never will forget that day. Lucille was standing there in the parking lot, just loving me. She was just loving me with her eyes. So I had a meeting in my house every uh, Thursday, and we sat in the backyard. And people want to wear masks. I can wear masks. I sit ten feet away. I didn't care. But we would, we had birthdays, we sang, we prayed, we had meetings every week. And it saved my life. It literally saved my life. Um, I was so worried about my neighbors because we're in the backyard, we're talking, we're sharing our experience, strength and hope. People are crying sometimes. Uh, We celebrate birthdays, we got cake. And I was afraid my neighbors were hearing this, okay? So I was really concerned about that. Um. I didn't want them to blow anybody's anonymity, you know, and I really didn't want them to know anything about me that, you know, my private life. Well, anyway, I shouldn't have, Christmas they gave me a bottle of wine. So, you know, they just—they didn't <laughs> even, they, it just right over their head. But I was uh, going, it was my birthday one year, a couple of years ago, and I was going to Dana Point to have dinner with some, my, some of my friends. We were gonna have a birthday celebration. And I live over on Pacific Island. So I'm going over the mountain down to Crown Valley and uh, the, sun, the sunset is so beautiful. It was just sunsetting over Laguna Beach and I was up there on the top of the mountain and I pulled my car over and, and I'm watching, uh, I'm watching, I just sat there a while and watched the sunset. It was just gorgeous. And I said out so loud in my car, oh my God, that is such a beautiful sunset. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's just beautiful. And out loud in my car to nobody but just me, I said, thank you, God. I love you, God. That's beautiful. Thank you. I pull off back on the road, go back over the go over the mountain, down to the red light on Crown Valley. Right there, Dell Avion Crown Valley. I was gonna turn, you know, right and go down to PCH. Well, I pulled behind this van okay, and I'm sitting there at the red light and I had just said in my car on the top of the hill I love you God and behind on this van the tag said you know I love you too <laughs> so sweet I never will forget that that was a tag right in front of me it was a van so the tag was setting up high on the back of the van. And it was just right in my face, right there. Uh, you know, those things happen to me all the time. It's just such, such a gift and such a blessing. And when I was drinking, I never paid, I'm sure those things were happening then, but I never paid attention to them. It just didn't, you know, it just phew, right over my head. Um, 2005, my only son was killed in an alcohol-related automobile accident, It was the most horrible thing that could ever happen to my heart, my life. And uh, I I didn't really want to drink at all, but I just didn't know if I could live through that. I just didn't know if I could live with the pain and the loss. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous, my meetings, you guys surrounded me. They came to my house, they sat there, I remember I got up, my son was killed on a Sunday night, and I got up um, late, maybe, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning, and there was two guys from my meeting sitting in my living room drinking coffee. And I said, what are you guys doing? Well, we thought you might need us if you got up and wanted to talk. So we just wanted to be here for you. They surrounded me. They put me in the shower. They fed me. They uh, loved me. They were just there surrounding me from my group, people that I had known in meetings. And uh, my sponsor called me and my son. The accident was in the Laguna Canyon on a Sunday night. And my sponsor called me uh, that Tuesday morning. And she said, there's a meeting in Laguna at St. Anne's, a women's meeting at noon. And I want you to be there. She didn't say, I'll come pick you up. She said, I want you to be there. And I said, I don't, I don't know if I can I drive. Don't, I don't know. I'm just, my heart is broken. I've lost my only child. I don't know. I don't even want to live right now. And she said, come be at that meeting. I want you to come to that meeting. She's my sponsor. she has been a sponsor for, you know, 20 years I got in my car. I'm driving down Coast Highway. The tears are just rolling down my eyes. I can't. Literally, I can hardly see the drive. I'm wiping my eyes. And um, I get to that meeting at St. Anne's. It's a noon meeting. It's a women's meeting. And I'm sitting there in the meeting, and I'm crying. And uh, I don't know how I'm even going to tell everybody what happened. I don't know how I can do that. And there's a woman in that meeting. That starts talking, and she uh, she had been uh, she had been in an automobile accident, driving drunk, and she killed her son in an automobile accident. And I mean to tell you, I am sitting there on the worst day of my life, and I am saying, "Thank you, God! Thank you, God!" Because I drove drunk with children in my car a thousand times. And I saw, literally, I have gratitude in my heart that I'm sober today. And I just, I couldn't believe how that happened. But again, it's God just doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. That was July uh, 31st, 2005. That whole fall season, I was, you know, I didn't drink or use. I was, I was just, I cried all the time. I was in such grief and heartache. I just cried all the time. It was Christmas, the holiday season, Thanksgiving. And I couldn't, it's just so sad. And I prayed. I said, God, I can't, I just can't live this way. I said, I, you know, help me. Help me. That night, my son came to me in a dream. And he was a surfer, 30 years old. He looked like he had just come out of the water. That was the happiest I ever saw his face when he came out from surfing. He was just glowing. And he's standing in front of me and he looked just like he had come out of the ocean. And he's standing there and he says, Mom, for God's sakes, stop the tears. He said, you're driving everybody crazy. <laughs> he was talking to me just like he'd talk to me if he was in front of me. He said, please don't cry for me. He said, I am so happy. I'm with God. And there's no more tears. He reaches out his hand to me. We used to dance. we'd put the music on in the house and we'd just dance all over the house together. He reaches out his hand to me and he says, come dance with me. And I take his hand and we're just dancing across the, just dancing across the sky. He's twirling me and dipping me and we're laughing. He's turning me around and he says, "Mom, no more tears." He says, "I'm with God and I am so happy. And I'll come dance with you anytime you want to dance." It changed my life because I know he's with God. If I know anything today, there's no such thing as death. We just go on to the next adventure. My son told me that. And because of him, I've started a foundation for children where uh, we teach the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous to children seven to 12. And it's all in honor of my beautiful son. If he hadn't been here, we wouldn't have this. Last year we had 2,784 children that went through our program from all over the country. It's called Believe in Success Kids and Believe in Solutions Kids and Believe in Sobriety Kids. And it's such a gift to everyone that participates. We started a, a parent program. The parents wanted more information on what we're teaching their children. It's just such a gift and it's a living legacy to my son. So. And my sobriety, staying sober one day at a time, is also a living amends to my family. You know, just like our, our just like my disease, reached, touched everybody in my family. I mean, an addict, alcoholic going through a family is like a tornado. Well, recovery is the same way. Recovery, like ripples in a pond, that reaches out and touches all the people that love you and that you love. And it's a living amends we make every day that. We don't drink just one day at a time. So you just gotta do it today. I tell my babies, I sponsor women. I say if you want to, if you think about using, call me. Okay, because depending on the day I've had, I may go with you. Okay. But you call me first. Because we're just doing this deal one day at a time. Just today. That's all we gotta do. No, not next New Year's or the Super Bowl or you know, just today. We're just gonna not drink today. It just makes it so much easier for me. Thank you for having me. I love you all. God bless you. I hope you find what I find here.